Matthew chapter 3 introduces us to John the Baptist. Matthew doesn't give us much information about him, but from Luke's gospel, we do know that he's related to Jesus. Matthew's interest in John isn't in his family, but in how he fulfills scripture. And the ministry of John is soaked in scripture. He comes bearing a simple message, repent. But he also has one practice, baptism. Baptism is the act of being submerged in water and is connected in verse 6 with confession and in verse 11 with repentance. So with such a simple message and such a simple act, why do we see John having so much popularity? In verse 5, we see that all of Jerusalem and all of Judea are going out to him. Well, first we should understand the timing of all this. The Jews at this time in history were in constant expectation of the kingdom of God. You read Daniel chapters 2 and 7, which were written hundreds of years before John and Jesus, and you'll read of prophecy that gives hints as to when the kingdom of God would come. Daniel tells us that there would be four kingdoms. It would begin with Babylon, and eventually all of these would take their turn in ruling over the Jews. Daniel saw that it would be during the fourth kingdom that God would return to his people and establish his own. In Daniel 2, this kingdom is symbolized by a stone crushing all the other kingdoms. In Daniel 7, it's portrayed as a man riding the clouds and receiving the kingdom from God himself. While the Jews were paying attention to their history, Daniel was clear that Babylon was the first kingdom. Persia was the second world power to rule over Israel, then Greece, and finally Rome. So they expected the arrival of God's kingdom any day. And this thinking fueled at least three other men who claimed to be the Messiah in the days of Jesus' youth. And in this expectation comes John the Baptist. He's wearing the clothes of a prophet. He's out in the wilderness, where in Hosea 2, 14 and 15, God had promised to restore Israel. And he's baptizing in the Jordan River. And this act is associated with a few Old Testament stories, such as the Red Sea crossing as Israel left Egypt behind, and also the crossing of the Jordan River in Joshua 3, as they begin to conquer the promised land. It was also associated with the tabernacle and temple worship. The priests would need to wash themselves before drawing near to God. And so the Israelites in the days of John are performing an act that made them think of being free from the oppressor, of reconquering the promised land, and being able to come near to God in purity. Truly, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And Matthew agrees saying that John is the one who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. It's a quote from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. And there it's announced that God is going to come to save his people from their oppressors. He would speak comfort to them, that he would be sure to come to them, that he would gather all of his people together and lead them back home. But the arrival of God and his kingdom isn't good news to everybody. In verse 7, John lashes out at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, calling them a brood of vipers. The Pharisees were a religious movement that strived to live God's way as closely as possible. The whole reason they had been conquered at all by Rome and the other nations was because of Israel's sin. So they set up a rigorous set of traditions and interpretations of the law so that they would never violate God's law again. It sounds like a respectable ideal at first, but soon, their traditions become increasingly burdensome, such as forbidding the poor man from searching for food to feed himself with on the Sabbath. It also gave them a superiority complex. They were the truly righteous in their own eyes. God had surely loved them. So the only reason he hadn't returned yet was because everybody else was so sinful. And to top it all off, they were hypocrites. 
For all of their religious bearings, Jesus condemns them over and over again as only putting on a show of religion. They were no more holy than anybody else. The Sadducees, on the other hand, were among the higher class in Israel, and they were perfectly content with how everything was going. They were comfortable under Roman rule, even if most everybody else suffered. They were more than happy to maintain the status quo. So you have one religious movement that hopes to inspire people to follow their traditions, and another that wants to tell people that everything is just fine as is. Well, just as the serpent deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, these religious leaders were vipers leading the people astray. God has come to save his people, but there's a redefinition of who God's people are. God's people were not those who kept the traditions of the Pharisees, nor were they like the Sadducees who rested easy, believing themselves under God's grace because they were children of Abraham. God's people would be those who changed their ways and put their loyalty in the coming kingdom of God. They would be a people defined by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is such a large topic to cover in such a brief time. But in short, the Spirit is associated with a number of topics, such as creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we have the Spirit of God hovering over the waters before creation begins in earnest. When Israel eventually constructs the tabernacle, it's the chief architects and builders who are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Exodus 31, 1-5. It's associated with power, as many of the judges in Israel were filled with the Spirit before accomplishing great feats. It's a spirit of prophecy that speaks God's word. And finally, it's a spirit of life and restoration. Throughout the Old Testament prophets, the Spirit is portrayed as water being poured out into the desert, bringing life to a once desolate land. All of these concepts will be in Jesus, and all of them will be given by Jesus. He makes us into the new creation. He gives us the power to follow him and do his will. He speaks authoritatively like a prophet on God's word. And on the third day after his death, Jesus shows what the Holy Spirit will do for all of us as he is raised from the dead. John's baptism was exciting, but John says that it doesn't hold a candle to what's coming with Jesus. When Jesus himself is baptized, he says it is to fulfill all righteousness. Just as Israel crossed the Red Sea and the Jordan River as a form of baptism, so must Jesus. And when he comes up, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. And it's declared, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is everything that Israel was supposed to be. And he shows us what we are supposed to be.